cliffcentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Reports. Ramon, how are you doing? It's a, a monumental day. Monumental. It's, it's the end of the world as we know it, depending on who wins the uh, election today. It is the end of the world. If Hillary wins, Putin's launching his nukes uh, at all the major cities in America. That's right. And if, uh, if pr- President Trump comes into power... I mean, obviously, the first thing he's doing is, is the big red button on, on the desk in the Oval Office, well, which doesn't exist. Well, but not, not, not to him. Maybe to like rival golf courses or something. Maybe absolutely. all of absolutely. Las Vegas except for the... Yeah, and, and, and the Mexicans and the Chinese except the people who make his ties. Yes. Yeah, and that sounds, and the Trump sounds about right. So the Americans are voting today. Um, this is a bit of a pre-record on our part, so we uh, are doing this uh, a little bit before the elections, uh, so you can give our guest today credit if he makes the right predictions, uh, and hatred if he makes the wrong predictions. Um, the Americans, of course, are voting. I think uh, polling would have opened about now if you're listening to us live, uh, and uh, by all accounts, unless... Uh, after we recorded this, someone has released Hillary's sex tape. Um, she is going to win the presidential election. I, I think that makes people more famous and more popular. Well, yes. But Kim Kardashian. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so unless uh, something uh, horrific, I don't know what WikiLeaks has to actually release for her to um, have a scandal. But uh, they can they can release anything they want. Mainstream media won't comment on it. <laughs> I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. I'll pretend it doesn't exist. All right. So let's not pretend like our guest doesn't exist. Um, our guest today. Do you want to do? Shall I do introductions? No, no, please go ahead. Um, our guest is Ashor Sarupend. Have I said your surname yeah, right? Correct, yeah. Um, and uh, you are a elections expert. You've run several elections uh, both across the world, but you are currently an election expert for the DA. Yes, that's correct. And a member of the Gauteng Provincial Legislature. Indeed. Have I got have I got that You've all got right? It all, all done. Perfect. So, uh, so, are you a new member of the legislature? I've been a member of the legislature since 2014. I was a municipal councillor before that. I was the DA's chief whip in Ekurhuleni. I've got. You know, crazy political experience. <laughs> crazy. Just mad. Just, Just mad. 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 you got political yeah. cred, as well, they say. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, not I, quite the same as street cred. It doesn't I, quite get me into clubs. But, I mean, I think yeah. at this point we need to just say to like, any ANC people listening, you you are welcome on the show. Yes, answer your tweets um, and emails. Please answer your, your tweets and emails. It, it, we, we are not shilling for the DA. Um, it's starting to look like we're the Mail and Guardian. Um, what the Mail and Guardian does for the ANC, we do for the DA. But really, that's not the case. Um Ashul, we we've called you in because you understand American politics probably better than we do. You know, I I just really read uh, WikiLeaks and Donald Trump's uh, Twitter timeline, so that's my my exposure. I, I try to avoid the Clinton News Network. Well, um, it's probably for the best, actually. It, 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 it is probably so. So we let's talk about the sort of big race, the one everyone knows about. Some of the controversies there, the human race. Uh, no, no, uh, not uh, that sorry, one. No, the, no, the, no, the one that really matters, Ramon, um, the American <laughs> president. Um, right. So, two, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this, two terrible candidates this year. I, I agree and I disagree. It's strange. So, both candidates are historically unpopular. If you look at their numbers, you know, they are, um, if Clinton's negative favorability is 10%, Trump's is 25. Never before <laughs> has any, I don't think any established democracy had 
to choose between two you know, fundamental evils. But what is interesting about Hillary's numbers, and I'm a numbers guy, so this is going to yeah. get a bit boring, no, go, is that, go for it. Is that for, amongst her supporters, so the people who are intending to vote for her, numbers are no different to that of Ronald Reagan when he was first elected, or Clinton the first, or Bush the first, or Bush the second for that matter. So around 57% of people who are voting for Clinton are actually very happy to vote for her. Mm. So to, that, to a very large chunk of Americans, Hillary's not that bad, but... She's really, really evil to any Republican, you know, the, who isn't voting for. She's seen as fundamental evil. Like, you know, I think uh, it was Ben Carson who said that she has links to Satan. <laughs> and, and, and then, of course, they did a poll and 25% of Americans agreed, agreed that, that she, she did have links to, to Satan. Satan. Um, but, and of course, she, she did, together with Barack Obama, start ISIS. Of course, she's, yes. she's the, the founder of ISIS, according to, yeah. to Donald. But, and, but what Trump actually hasn't said yet is that actually they're terrible leaders of ISIS. And he would be a huge, great, wonderful leader for ISIS if he were given the chance. So, you know, he really should be put in charge be the greatest, of ISIS. The greatest be... leader of ISIS ever. Precisely. Yeah. That wasn't half bad. That wasn't half bad. <laughs> um, okay. So, look, you, you, sure, the numbers sort of say Hillary's not as hated as um, kind of where Ronald Reagan would have been when mm. he got in or any of the other recent presidents. Um, Trump obviously seems to be a lot more of a divisive character. Um, no, yeah. really? Yeah, it's like the obvious. Uh, can we just, from now on, can we just say Crooked Hillary? Because that's actually a real I, name. I, I <laughs> uh, what, what can we call Trump? We'll call him uh, Grabby Trump. Grabby Gra- Gra- Trump. Grabby Trump. <laughs> um, so, so, all right. You, now I've lost my train because my train's gone. I'm, all, all the Trump train's gone off into the Well, into the let, let's start with the basics of the election system in the U.S. It's probably the most complicated thing. Since like the nuclear deal tender in this country, so like how exactly does it work? So you have these things called primaries, yes, and then you got electoral colleges, yeah, and then you got like state, like it all gets Iowa. very very complicated and blah blah blah. Basically, the United States is extremely democratic, so the political parties don't actually get to choose who they put up as candidates. When you go register as a vote in the U.S., you go and register. As a Republican, as a Democrat, as an Independent, as a Libertarian, as a Socialist, whatever you want, whichever party you want to affiliate your voter registration to, you then get information from that party saying, this is when our election is, blah, blah, blah. In the presidential primaries, literally millions of ordinary people go and vote in these primaries for the party's candidates. You're not a member of the party. You're just an affiliated registered voter to that party. And you know, tens of millions of people go and vote in these primaries and that sorts out who the party's nominees are going to be. So the parties actually have very little say. The way they do control is obviously money, you know, the pump money behind your preferred candidates, advertising, political action committees, those sorts of things. So that, that's where the primaries come from. That's, that, how, that's how you end up with Trump. That's how you end up with Trump, yes. The fact that political parties don't get to choose their nominee, which is actually a great system. It's wonderful. And you, I was cut off from my own show. And how you end up with Hillary is that you use the DNC – to, to vilify Bernie Sanders. Well, it's a bit more complicated than that. But, you know, Hillary has a lock in minorities, and I think it's important to discuss minorities in election politics a bit later on. Crooked Hillary. But Crooked Hillary had a lock on minorities, <laughs> and that got her, through, got her through the system. Um, I, I, by quite a margin, actually. It wasn't even close between her and Bernie. Even, even discount the DNC, it wasn't even close. But, yeah, so then you've got, so you've got that system. Then you've got the Electoral College, which is, again, all confusing these states, whatever, Basically, the way the system was designed was that people weren't actually meant to vote for presidents of the United States. You go and you vote for a slate of electors in your state, 
and these slates of electors meet at an electoral college and pick a president. That was how it was designed. But obviously, democracy evolves, and what it's become is every state gets a number of delegates to its electoral college um, delegation equal to its number of senators and congressmen. Now, the congressmen are divided up proportionally. Hmm. Basically, each state gets a number. So, is it fair, though? Right. It seems it's, it's like small, shitty states like Florida have, have a lot of say. <laughs> well, Florida is a fairly big state, but what, it's not quite fair because states, <laughs> very small states actually have an oversized say in, in the outcome of things. Okay. Yeah. An oversupply of yeah. something. Yeah, basically, if you're voting California, your vote is worth very little. If you're voting New Hampshire, which only – California has got 55 delegates, all of which will go to Hillary Clinton. If you're in New Hampshire, which is a swing state, but there's only four delegates, you might actually tip this election one way or another in a close election. You know, your vote could actually be the one that tips it one way or the other. It's, it's a very complicated system, but – and it's not very fair. It's not proportional. And, you know, we have seen instances where people lose the popular vote and mm. win the Electoral College, Bush the second, for example. Yes. It does happen. But, you know, these are the quirks. It's a system. It's still the most functional democracy in the world, even though it produced Trump. I mean, Trump is still a manifestation of the will of a segment of the electorate. Like a basket of deplorables, you might yeah, say. One might say, actually. But, you know, it's, it actually is a system that's functional. Right. I mean, that's why, that's why I hope he wins, because it will be the end of democracy as we know it. And, and that's a great thing. <laughs> Because uh, uh, democracy has become the case of the lowest common denominator wins. I, and, and Trump is a, is a great example of that. As an elected representative, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, uh, so we get to find, so they go through primaries. We know who we get, we yes. got out of primaries. Um, just on the, just, you want to comment on that on the Republican side? I mean, they had some good candidates yeah. there. Well, Someone like Marco Rubio probably. This was probably the most talented. Hillary. Yeah. This was the most talented Republican field in a generation. And there are a couple probably. Probably who could have beaten Hillary. I don't know if Marco Rubio could have, but I think someone like John Kasich, who was the, is the governor of Ohio, probably yeah, could so have. Boring. Yeah, but that boring guy would have won. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there, there were the Scott Walker, he was the governor of Wisconsin. He probably could have beaten Hillary in a straight fight. Um, there were several. There's George Pataki, who was the governor of New York previously, many, many years yeah. ago. And a wild card like Carly Fiorina? Nah. No, no, I th- no, I no way. I think the. The, you know, the inside or outside of well, you hear all of this. Carly Fiorina could not have, have trounced Hillary. I think that it needed, you needed a mainstream solid Republican who peeled off mm. minorities or minimize minority turnout. And again, I'll get to this because it's very important to understand what's going on in the U.S. Mm. But yeah, the, I don't think, I think you needed a centrist moderate type Republican, a, a John Kasich, a George Pataki and so on, who mm. economically right, but you know, not picking the culture war fights. And that sort of person would have won. Um, I don't know if that was Marco Rubio, but there were several. It was a very talented field. But Trump dominated simply because in the debates, he just, you know, bullied and th- he was up against 13 men who he could bully and dominate and, and just say, be quiet and call low energy and et cetera. Because he doesn't, he doesn't play by the rules. No, he doesn't, he didn't play by the standard rules of debate. And it worked brilliantly for him in the primaries and he completely destroyed, um, his opponents. But Jeb Bush being, being Jeb the Bush one being that he really humiliated. Board. Yes, and Jeb Bush. Uh, did you see that? Sorry, did you see that clip where he says something and he says, please clap? <laughs> he asked the low energy. To clap. <laughs> yeah. But, but poor old Jeb, I mean, so there was this, I saw some stats somewhere where he spent $100 million and got 30,000 votes. It was the most expensive was campaign. $110 million. It's yeah. the most expensive campaign for the fewest number of votes ever cost. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, look, the point is that he, completely dominated that Republican field in debate after debate after debate. He owned them. There's no yeah. other way to describe it. And he didn't really put forward any, any policy positions apart from, you know, a little bit of racism, a little bit of sexism, build a wall. Um, 
not not really in depth, but he spoke to something very important, and that is the fact that there's a lot of anger amongst working class people in the U.S., especially white working class voters, who have not seen their incomes rise in in twenty years. You know, there was the dot com boom and bust, and there was the the Bush era mm. of war and massive deficits, and the Obama era of you know great money for banks, but not much for everybody else. And and so you, key industrial areas, he was able to tap into their anger and really get them to him. And this is why no matter what Trump says, he'll not dip below a certain percentage in the polls. It's impossible for him to dip below that percentage because he has a lock on these voters. Okay, so <clears throat> these two become the candidates. Um, uh, Ramon's mentioned Hillary's sort of dodgy way of getting there, but you, you say she would have got there anyway. Yeah, um, But, uh, well, I'm, I'm quite... In, in some ways, I'm grateful because I, I think as much as I'm not a big fan of Hillary, and I'm not a fan of Hillary at all, I, I think Bernie would have been crooked way – Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. Apologies. Um, I think Bernie would have been way worse. Can, can we call him Crazy Left Bernie or Julius Bernie because he was actually you know, far yeah. left? Um, well, we can call him Crazy Bernie. Uh, he, we, I mean we, he, he, he reminds me the... of uh, the guy from, uh, from Back to the Future. You know, <laughs> <laughs> We need to hit 88, Marty. <laughs> Why don't we just call him Caviar Socialist? He bought a third house now, I see. Yes. Must yes. be great. Eh? Yeah. All those – all those students paying their $10 donations, and then he goes off to buy a fucking house. It's fantastic. Brilliant trading. Yeah, I he's love it. Himself. Um, okay, so, so we end up with Hillary. We end up with Trump. You mentioned the whole lesser of two evils argument. I, I think that's still a terrible argument because you still yeah. end up with evil. Um, we, we, we now have these two candidates, and you know the, the media – I don't, I, it seems to me that the media has certainly, the mainstream media has been to some extent biased. You, you certainly have Fox and Breitbart mm. siding with Trump, but they're a small part of, uh, of what is made up of American um, sort of media. They're probably about 15%. Uh, and uh, you, you then have sort of the major networks, MSNBC, uh, ABC, CNN, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all sort of backing Hillary. Now, Donald's done some – and said some really kind of some ridiculous things, some stupid things, uh, some funny things. Um, we've got he's going to build the wall because um, Mexicans, many of the Mexicans coming over are rapists bad and hombres. criminals. Bad hombres. Um, bad hombres was yep. the last in the last debate is what he said. Um, uh, he's he also wants to ban all Muslims uh, because of immigration and terrorism and whatever. Uh, he said those things. None of these things sink him, which is hilarious. So none of these things actually are enough to bring him down in the polls. In fact, Makes him more he, popular. he's surging in the polls coming to the second debate. Uh, I think it was a second debate. Well, going into the first debate, and it's, it's, it's quite interesting. So he had a bumper convention. Yeah. For, but unfortunately, the Democrats had their convention a week after. There are a couple of set pieces in the election campaign. There's the party conventions where the nominees, you know, basically coronated and there's, they drown out the airways for a week. And it's completely theirs. And that's all you see. Yeah, that's all you see. And, and if you're living in the U.S. in terms of the media market, then the other set pieces of the debates, and, and that's about it. Those are the ways you reach a massive audience. There's, aren't people engaged in politics every single day consuming every piece of media they see? Mm. They just see the set pieces. Trump had a bumper convention. And I thought at the time Hillary had a rather bad convention because the Bernie people were chanting and screaming and so on. But I mean, there and is, burning American flags. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, no, there's, here's a disaster. President Trump, here we come. And in that week between the Democratic and Republican conventions, he actually did move marginally ahead of her in the projections. Mm. He was forecast to have a very narrow win. And then her convention happened. And where it all came together for her was her speech. She's not a great speaker. 
that her speech at the convention... Well, robots never will be great speakers. <laughs> her, her speech at the convention really, you know, together with, as you said, media bias and mm. so on, really propelled her to an unassailable position. Then Trump narrowed the gap. and the, She's not good at the day-to-day campaigning either. She seems to be great at the set pieces. He narrowed the gap. Then she had a little wobbly with pneumonia and... Mm, and, and well, and she literally was unconscious and thrown into a black van. Right? Yes. It looked like uh, some pedophile picking up, uh, picking up his victim. Yeah. Just a blind pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, at that stage, you know, he, he had narrowed the gap to, and the popular vote to within 1.2%. Oh, which is within the margin of within error. Within margin of error. Within margin so, of error. So the debate happens. She wins, by all accounts, the first debate. She wins comfortably the first debate and um, moves into a, a sort of five-point lead okay. in the popular vote. And then... And then they released this tape. I think it was before the second Yeah, it was day. just before the weekend before the, the weekend second. before the second debate. I mean, they had, uh, was it MSNBC or whoever had it? NBC had NBC. the tape. Yeah. Had had the tape for, since 2005. So yeah. they had the tape for 11 years. Um, and they, of course, the weekend before the debate, yeah, some by coincidence. Yeah. It, what, it, a, what a find. What a find. Really. Uh, amazing. Uh, amazing that they can find this stuff just like that. Um, they, they released this tape and we hear Trump Talking about grabbing pussy, and uh, this show's not uh, not censored. Uh, and we talk, he he's talking about uh, kissing women and getting away with it because he's famous. Um, and tic tacs, don't forget the tic tacs, very important. I, I, what was the comment he just, about? He, he takes tic tac before he kisses. Them. Uh, well, just... that's very polite of him. It is very considerate. Polite. It is. Um, I mean, if you're going to assault someone, at least you know take a tic tac before. Um, so he, uh, he this comes out, and that seems after all the stuff he says. That's the thing that kind of sinks his campaign. Is that, does that make sense yes, to you as someone does. who does elections? It, it makes, it ma- in the context of the American election, it makes perfect sense. So to understand why that tape did as much damage as it did, you need to go back to the first debate. And the American election campaigns, traditional campaigns, not the Trump campaign, which is really a bit of a disaster internally in terms of its management and its tactics yeah, and strategy. Yeah, they've changed campaign managers yeah, a couple exactly. of times. But the Clinton campaign was very good at upper research. So they found this Alicia Machado woman who was in Miss Universe that Trump oh, called yes. Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping and, you know, Miss yeah, Overeating. She was fat yeah, that, that, that sort of thing. So he, she laid the groundwork for, you know, saying Trump is actually quite terrible to women. Then immediately after the debate, there were videos that her campaign team had produced. They had a full press tour for Alicia Machado prepared. This is <laughs> this is Machiavellian politics, you know. Okay. So they, they, they're setting it up. They, so they set it up. They, if you look at it, you know, and I'm not being conspiratorial, but from where I sit as a as a tactician, yeah, and somebody who's written political strategy, I mean, I could not have written this better myself. So you go that you go there. You pick up a five points lead in the polls, but you want to actually nail this guy and put him away. You've already got. You know that he's not doing well amongst women. And the only reason Republicans have been able to hold on in the past is because of suburban women with college degrees. And if you sink Trump amongst that grouping because you're losing white working class voters without a degree, which has been a Democratic stronghold for years. You know, it's how Obama won Ohio and Iowa, Hmm. those two states, multiple times, twice. And how Bill Clinton obviously won his landslides, white working class voters. You know the only way you can do this is by picking up Republican women. What you've got to do then is just nail the guy about his treatment of women. And that's precisely what happened with that tape. And so there's a historic gender gap in this election. It's going to be 18 points or more. Men, women are going to vote for Clinton by 18 points more than men, mm. which is going to be huge. It's going to be, you know, as Trump's going to say, it's, it's destructive. It's huge. It's massive. Mm. It's crazy. Mm. But it's that's tremendous. Precise, yeah, tremendous. Tremendous. But it's precisely what I can't think of the adjectives. There's just so many. Um, huge. Huge. <laughs> 
But, <laughs> but nonetheless, so so it makes sense that it would sink him, and it would also make her completely immune to any WikiLeaks thing because she's not interested in what Breitbart's printing, and she's not going after those voters. She's given up on those white working class voters because it doesn't matter what he says. They're she'll never get them. She'll never get them because their economic anxiety mm. is not something she can speak to. I mean, her links to Goldman Sachs and mm. and the, the bank speeches. She's oh, lost them. Okay, so so we understand why he 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 he, he sort of gets nailed by the grabbing comment. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain to me a bit more why Hillary doesn't get nailed by, you know, these WikiLeaks. Is, I, I mean, I've read some of these, these emails. Some of them are kind of what you'd expect for in, in-house emails. Um, and I'm kind of like, yeah, of course they said that to each other. Um, but some of it is like, you know, there's an email going where it goes back and forth about how Hillary is in terms of a health issue right in the head is the literal like words that they use. And I'm going, okay, how, how are we not, um, questioning emails like this? Um, there's, there's emails where, uh, uh John Podesta. He's writing to his team and he's saying, you know, they want to push Trump and Cruz to the top of the pile. This is during the primaries because they believe if they can get a Cruz or Trump ticket, um, it'll be such a far right ticket that they'll be able to beat them essentially yeah. through this demographic um, manipulation. Um, so there, there is a lot of stuff in these emails. She also presided over Libya, which uh, even take Benghazi out of it. And uh, to some Americans, Benghazi is a big deal because she basically mm-hmm. left Americans to die, which is not the American way. Uh, but if you take that out of it, uh, Libya is a mess. Uh, a lot of what's happened in the Middle East, which she was presiding over as Secretary of State, has led to problems in that area, specifically ISIS. Uh, so – She's not strong in those sort of areas. How is none of this sort of hurting her? So, but just just to carry on yeah. from that. But even even her uh, record on women is awful, right? I mean, she protected. Okay, it was her job as a lawyer, but she protected, she protected a child rapist, and then she laughed about it after the fact. She apparently bullied people who who uh, said Bill Clinton allegedly, raped, raped yeah. them or sexually mm. assaulted them allegedly. So yeah. she has. As much baggage with women as, as Trump has to some degree. But that doesn't stick to her whatsoever. Well, I think, firstly, there is this phenomenon. You cannot blame this cheating spouse or the spouse that's cheated on for, you know, for that sort of thing. Mm. And, you know, there, there's almost – you don't blame the jealous wife. It just is not socially acceptable to blame the jealous wife. And that's and that gives her some immunity. I mean, let's just speak about the psychology of the situation here. It does give her some immunity in that front. If you look at her public policy positions in women, though, and, you know, going to China and 96, women's rights or human rights, that sort of speech and so on, it gives her an effective counter to these sorts of things, um, which does does help. It neutralizes that, and so it, it, it creates that balance. But also she is the first female nominee of a major party. She has gotten closer than any other woman to the presidency. That, that is over, overarching. You know, over anything else. Such a terrible argument. I have a vagina. Vote for me. It is a terrible argument, but it is it is the reality of the situation. And you know, we we might not like it. It might not be great. But 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 one more reason why democracy should die. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So democracy might die, Ramon. But until the dream comes true, um, what what happens? What happens when you know uh, the uh, elections are done? uh, The Votes are counted, and if, if the polls are correct, and I want to talk about polling yeah. shortly, but if the polls are correct, Hillary is the new president-elect. On the 20th of January, I think it'll be, she'll, yeah. she'll be sworn in, and the 21st of January, she's now the president of the United States. Trump is a long-gone memory, something people laugh about mm. and go, oh, remember that guy who ran for president? Um, and um, now 
there's no foil for Hillary. So there's no we're going to compare Hillary to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is worse in every possible way, even though she's bad. Um, what then happens? The American people then realize who they've got. Do they then realize this is WikiLeaks, this is Libya, this like, is – A lot of presidents have entered office with, with baggage. You know, Richard Nixon probably more than most. And I think the best analogy for Clinton, I hate to say it, is Nixon. <laughs> well, so we can only hope she's impeached. Yes. Then. Well, well, you know, it's a possibility. Um, <laughs> but look, I think – Every president, when they take office, if you look at the numbers, gets a honeymoon period, six months, where they can say things, do things. And, and people generally accept, you know, the country comes together. It doesn't matter how stupid the president is or how terrible or corrupt yeah. the president might be. Um, not to say that the presidents are corrupt, but, you know, nonetheless, the point is that they get a honeymoon period. And I think during that time, she will probably maximize her political capital, probably strike a few deals with Republicans and, and trundle along. I think her ultimate aim is to not cause any waves until 2020, get reelected, and then try and push a policy agenda. Do you think she'll still be alive in 2020? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that medical science will do wonderful things for mm, Well, for I mean, the robotic parts and, apparently and have a 10-year warranty. I was just going to say, the Turing test uh, might come to fruition <laughs> before then. Um, um, yeah, go. Um, I forgot my line of no, thought. Oh, yes, uh, polling. We were going to talk yeah, about Yeah, we were going to go for it. So... How far? Okay, how far are they apart, actually? And and for some reason, I listen to Ben Shapiro quite a lot. He's a, he's a quite a good conservative chap, but he says he's, he always mentions Iowa, Florida, all these swing states. So, what do you what do you mean by swing states? Firstly, and why the painting there is so important? Okay, so because of the system where you've got an electoral college, there are five hundred and thirty eight electoral college votes, I think. Um, of which you need 200, you need 270 electoral, electoral college votes, i.e. delegates from these states to win. Right. So, there are states that will vote for a Democratic nominee if you put a monkey up. There are states that will vote for a Republican nominee if you put a Trump up. These things happen. Okay. Ooh, so, Hillary a monkey. Oof. Oof. I know, I know. Gra- Grabby Trump. The left are going to go after <laughs> me now, but anyway. Um, the, the point is that there are a handful of states in every election, they're usually in play. Now, the Democratic Party has a much easier job in presidential elections because there are states that equal 246 electoral college votes that will vote for a Democrat no matter what. Even right. at their lowest ebb, New John York, Kerry, New York, California, California, Oregon, Washington, Connecticut, um, Connecticut, Maine, although Maine is up for grabs this year, Massachusetts, you know, these solid blue, yeah. blue states. Yeah. Same uh, as Texas is a yeah, red state. Yeah. Although Texas is up for grabs. Yeah, we'll, get there. well, Trump screwed that up. <laughs> yes. But, but, you know, the point is that they're, this is the blue wall. 246 is where any Democratic nominee starts. Mm. And they've got to build up to 270. So the states that are important are the ones that are at play because there are a set number of swing voters. People who in one election will vote for the Democratic Party and another will vote for the Republican. You know, right. really all over the place type so, of voters. So, so actually the actual true Democratic voter that actually has to make a choice. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, there, there are enough of these people in these states that, that the, the state will flip from one party to another in every election. Right. And will send, you know, a Democratic senator or a Republican congressman, those sorts of states. You know, New mm. Hampshire is a prime example. They've got um, a Democratic senator, a Republican senator, because each state gets two, and the state has two congressmen. They've got... One congressman who's a Democrat and a congressman who's a Republican. I mean, it's it's a, the quintessential swing state. Right. It voted for Bush. It voted for Kerry. It voted for Obama twice. It voted uh, for Bush the first. It voted for Clinton. It really is, you know, a swing state. Um, so there are a couple of these, and I'll, I'll tell you which they are in this election, and that is – and they're not traditional swing states, but some of them – Florida, always a swing state. Um, North Carolina, which hasn't been until fairly recently. Ohio, always, you know, that's considered bellwether. Iowa, um, 
Arizona in those elections up for grabs. Georgia, which is traditionally a red state. Texas looks like it's going to be close, which it shouldn't be at all. Like no. it's a, a Republican yeah. monkey should be able to win Texas nonetheless. And then there's a very interesting place called Utah. A Republican it, monkey with a gun. Yes, yes, with a gun. But yes. Utah should, be, should not be up for grabs. It, Mitt Romney won it by 70 points in 2012. Right. But because, you know, Mormons are generally fairly nice folk who don't like religious persecution yes. um, and, and are soft-spoken and polygamous. Um, did I just say that? I'm sure <laughs> yes, they are. Soft-spoken <laughs> and polygamous. Just, Everyone has their good side. Sure. Just, I'm sure you'll edit the polygamous thing out. Anyway. <laughs> or not, whatever. You just heard it. We yes. didn't edit it. Okay. Anyway. But the, the point is, you know, these, these are very nice, soft people who don't like banning Muslims and building a wall and so on. Um, but they're, they're socially conservative. You know, the culture war does appeal to them. So they're not really too Mormon Clinton, but they really don't like Trump. So there's the strange independent guy who used to work for the CIA who would probably, mm. I'll put money on this. His name is, is Ed McMullen and mm. he will probably win Utah. Utah. And it's six right. electoral colleges and that'll just which, knock which, Trump out which of the Which I believe is unprecedented since the sixties. Yeah. The last time was when the Civil Rights Act was passed and, you know, the Southern Democrats rebelled and voted for George Wallace, I think. Yeah, so so for an independent to win a yeah. state, essentially. Yeah, so he'll take those electoral electoral college votes away from both candidates. Yeah, but that'll affect Trump the worst. Trump, Trump yeah, the because, most, yeah. because Utah's a red state. So if this were a close election, <clears throat> yeah, if it were, mm. and for a while it was looking like that, Utah would have probably been the the, the state that sunk Trump, probably. Yeah, but in yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. So you know, if you ask me, you know, what's going to happen um, in these swing states? I think you know. There is going to be a bit of what in political science they call realignment, an event that, you know, that really changes the fundamentals of politics. And you've got to understand the way the two parties have positioned themselves over 40 years. And the Republican Party is socially conservative abortion, gay marriage, blah, blah, blah. But the key thing is they were the party of free trade, the market economy, all of those good things and that we freeing like. The slaves. Freeing, freeing the slaves. Well, well, the freeing the slave things, you know. It's, it was before that. It's a long time ago. You, know, you can't really hold a modern party accountable mm. to. Well, well, so, uh, well, it was the Democrats that wanted to keep the slaves. Yeah, well, yeah. Part, again, but until the 1960s and all of the stuff realigned. Now, this, what I think is happening is we're seeing a fundamental shift. And again, when I spoke about white working class voters switching yeah. parties fundamentally, what you will see is, you know, Clinton for all of her, her flaws is actually a capitalist. And when, when challenged and with Bernie on a debate stage said she's not going to take down capitalism because it created the greatest middle class the world has ever seen. Right. Her words, her words to Bernie in a debate with a left-wing audience, which I think is actually quite significant. So what we will see is the, the populist sort of anti-trade, protect the factory workers, you know, oppose China for currency manipulation type, which really are, you know, left-wing, almost democratic ideas, yes. are going to find a new home in the Republican Party, along with the socially conservative type stuff. And the Democratic Party, Bernie, you know, now that he's been cast aside, will probably become what the Republican Party probably was in the 50s and 60s, which is the party of the Northeast industrialists, the wealthy industrialists, the bankers, uh, the well-educated, and not too interested in, in the culture war type stuff. And I think that's what's going to happen. So you will see in this election, and this is all getting very boring mm. and technical. No, no. But, um, Carry on. But you will see in this election states like Iowa, which historically, you know, is a swing state but democratic leaning because of its working class voters, cornfields and so on. I think that will probably go to Donald Trump, even though Barack Obama won it twice. I think Iowa, which is considered the bellwether, it's the state that if John Kerry won in 2004 would have been the president, white working class voters, big industrial base, will probably go to Donald Trump. I think three other states that have been reliably democratic, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Sure. Well, they won't go Trump, but it'll get close. Close. But on the flip side, I think – And I ask, if those three were to go Trump, 
because I want to get into the accuracy sure. of polling sure. now. If those three go Trump, how, does he get much closer than we think? I think and if, Texas and Arizona remain Republican states. Then he wins. If he can win Iowa, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Arizona, and Texas, he wins the election. There's just aren't enough electoral college votes left for Clinton. If you are listening in Iowa and all those other weird states, vote for Trump, please. Vote for Trump. <laughs> in, in democracy. In yeah. but, but look, I think that there's enough of a margin for Clinton in, yeah. in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan right now. Yeah. And remember, Michigan, Detroit, lots of African-American voters. There's the, she's got a bulwark there that'll keep her safe. Yeah. Another thing I actually wanted to ask, it's a bit it's slightly deviated, but yeah. the, the African-American voting bloc traditionally has been – Quite conservative, religious, slightly more homophobic than most other people. Don't say that out loud. Um, like they, they seem like quintessential Republicans socially. Um, yes. Why do they keep? Why over ninety percent of the black vote vote Democrat for like the past forty-five years or whatever it is? I think two things. Most people don't actually. I don't think people should vote on cultural issues in an election. You vote your economic interest, and I think mm, most people sure. generally do. And this is what we're seeing with Trump, actually, is these white working class voters who are democratic. You might ask why they're suddenly voting for Trump if they, you know, are pro-abortion and well, pro-life, pro-choice, sorry. And <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me be politically correct. Right, pro I'm pro-abortion. And <laughs> pro-choice, pro um, you know, they're, they're not opposed to gay marriage, but it, people vote the economic interests. And the problem for the Republican Party amongst black voters is from the day it opposed civil rights – all the way through and, you know, through making voting harder for African-Americans in southern states where they dominate, yes. they've actually created this wedge where they can you can never reach somebody and say, but I speak to these issues and I speak to you about these issues and these issues have a home with me if you're going to keep blocking my right to vote. Sure. You know, you're mm. never going to win that person over. Yeah. And it's those sorts of things. And unfortunately, but all the Democrats do is patronize them and keep them on welfare and, and create well, I mean, uh, all a sorts very... of uh, you know, negative <laughs> things within the community as yeah. well. So it's There's a very interesting article uh, that I read a couple of days ago that made the, a very strong point that, ironically, it is not liberals in the U.S. that created the black middle class. It is actually all sorts of conservative – I use the yeah, word inverted commas – conservative policies mm. that created sure. the black middle class in the United States. And, and that's and that's Well, the, the, liber point. the liberals created in, – in the sense of the American term of liberal, uh, the liberals created uh, the poor – uh, class and uh, in the last 20 years have created a lot of violent societies. Uh, you know, these uh, Black Lives Matter um, protests and then riots that we've seen are happening in democratic cities. They're angry because the democratic uh, city they live in with democratic mayors, black police chiefs, etc., uh, say that the police are purposefully, um, you know, targeting their communities. Well, yeah, not really. Um, your communities probably need good policing that maybe the policing is not as good as it could be but uh, certainly you, you 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 keep voting for the people who got you here to this point or they certainly didn't help you to to get to you to, to you to a better point sure it reminds me of another country i can't remember the one where they keep voting for the same party that doesn't help them out i'm struggling where, to remember yeah, where their one. leaders lead them astray i can't remember their policing could be better it as well, be better as well. <laughs> um, um, and poverty yeah. just remains as Jeez. a trap uh, anyway the, the, the counterpoint to that though is that the republican party does not offer anything to the to, to, to african-americans either this is the key thing is that they, they don't actually 
they don't speak, they don't address racial issues in a non-racial manner. This is this is it. So they pander to sometimes the worst instincts mm. of their of their of their base. Yeah, xenophobia. Yeah, exactly, yeah. precisely, and and that's why they can never break through this link. If right. you know, all the criticisms of the Democrats around black voters are absolutely correct and fair, and I've never disputed that. Mm. But you know, if I were an American, I'd vote for the Democratic Party simply because the Republicans. Have gone Get so out. far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why did we even invite him? As in, in the recording, the Republicans the have gone re- so far. They've gone so far to pander to the worst instincts of a certain base, yeah. a subset of their base, yeah. that they have forgotten that actually to win elections, it's about building coalitions of disparate mm. groups and is pursuing a policy it, agenda. I mean, it, I mean, it's about simple principles it, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if you listen to some of, some of the sort of outspoken people on the Republican side, you'll, you, you, you'll hear this, um, very classically liberal view, um, and not treating people as groups. So not talking about blacks or the black community or African Americans, but rather speaking of people as individuals and wanting success for them as individuals. Um, but even going on to that, sorry, Jonathan, yeah. but even, even the, the candidates during the Republican race, I mean, one, one, uh, Ben Carson, you know, uh, a, a black, uh, what's called, world-renowned yeah. neurosurgeon who loves a bit too much of Jesus for my liking, <laughs> but, uh, you know, an accomplished black guy and that failed to win him any sort of credence. No, look, the, there is some systemic problems with the Republican Party. And I think Donald Trump, in a strange way, tragically, not just epitomizes that, but after Trump, yeah. The Republican Party is not going to be able to rebuild for another 10 years because the one guy who probably could have pulled the Republican Party together in a non-racial sort of policy direction was mm. Paul Ryan. And Trump has completely wrecked Paul Ryan's career. I don't think he's going to come back as Speaker of the House after so. the election. No. Oh, really? I think Paul Ryan's completely screwed because I think the he's got he's got to deal with the, the, the Trumpian sort for of – For those of you who don't House. know, Paul Ryan's a less good-looking version of Ryan Gosling uh, who is basically – an American politician and had a lot of, uh, is it, cause he, cause he of was, his youth, I think he had a lot of, well, he was um, vice president. He was the vice president. He was Mitt Romney's vice yes. presidential nominee. He is the speaker of the House of Representatives currently and he's one of the leading sort of conservative, and I use that word in inverted commas because libertarian really, yeah. Um, yeah. thinkers who has a defined policy agenda to reform welfare, to reform healthcare, to provide all of these things from, you know, market based principles mm. and probably should have been the, the Republican nominee and probably could have won the election. Because he, you know, he presents a policy agenda as opposed to a culture war agenda. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask you on the policy stuff? I, I, you, you've already said people don't really care about where someone stands on these sort of uh, cultural issues. So yes. abortion, as an example, why is why are we? Why do the candidates target these as sort of major issues? It doesn't seem like they are major issues. Everyone knows that the Republicans kind of going to go, um, you know, if he's a very moderate Republican, he's going to go, well, you know, uh, I'm not really 100% sure, but personally, I think that we shouldn't be doing abortion. And they all know that the Democrats going to go, uh, if they, depends on how moderate they are as well. As long well, as, well, as, women, long as women the baby's in the womb. Take it out. Yeah. Abortion's fun. The day before the birth. Some of them even. Yeah. Well, so now we've got partial birth abortion and all this kind of stuff. But it just seems to me that uh, that issue, uh, there are other issues as well, um, which are the big issues in American elections. And they don't, uh, they, 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 it doesn't translate, it would seem, with the voters, with a small subset, absolutely. Um, why do they chase after those as the issues? Okay. So in the course of the election, you do two things. You shore up your base. So that you get turnout amongst your core voters, people who believe in the same things you believe in, or yeah. I use believe in inverted commas as well, or purport to believe in. And then you need to win over the swing voters. 
swing voters are usually voting economic interests. Your core voters will be extremely ideological. Will be the guys who go and protest outside an abortion clinic, or will be the guys who protest, out, you know, next to the protesters outside the abortion clinic. <laughs> and, right. And so you're shoring up your base with the culture with the culture issues. You're getting the the feminists who are pro-choice out to vote for Clinton, for example, mm. or Obama. Yeah. By, by, by picking and and the fights. religious guys. And the religious, and, and it's more important in a strange way for the Republican nominees than for the Democratic nominees because they've got to get out the religious right. And Trump has, until fairly recently, had a very hard time convincing his, the, the, religious, the, the religious right of his bona fides. So, you know, you've got to pick these wars. So you've got to pick these fights just yes. to show your, the core voters, I'm with you. And then you, you know, then you go to the issues that actually the, the swing voters are focusing on. Doesn't seem like we've got in there though. I, I just it, it's it's we've heard about. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look at the debate issues. I mean, do you know any any Hillary Clinton policies? I well, mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't. No, well, none of them have been particularly strong on policies. I think they have policies, and I think Hillary is uh, definitely stronger in terms of having actual written-out policies. I wonder if Trump might not have uh, made a fool of himself on some of his issues if he had been a bit more specific. So uh, banning all Muslims as an example. If you might bring that, have made fool of him. Might. If, if you bring that back a little bit and do what he did two weeks later on that comment when he pulled back and he said – he wouldn't ban all Muslims, but he wants to have a better vetting process for uh, migrants, refugees, and and whoever's coming into the country. Uh, I think that would have been a that probably would have been a good strong position, certainly for Republicans, and something that centrists might have got behind um, in terms of vetting. But yeah. once he already said the most extreme thing he could say, it's hard to to pull back from that. Um, okay, before we get on to well, let's. Let's let me give you last question. Last, let's get onto the quickly onto the Senate and yeah. the Congress because uh, I know Ramon is looking like he he wants to shoot himself. But um, everyone knows about the presidential candidates. They a lot of what we've discussed. They may have some insight into. Um, really, what's going to matter is whether you get Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton as the president. It's because of the way of the American structured the structure of the system. It's difficult for a president to do stuff without a willing Senate and Congress. Yeah. Basically, the, the U.S. works on a system of divided government. So the president is meant to administer the country, enforce the laws of the land, spend the budget that Congress authorizes, that sort of thing. The decisions, the legislative decisions are made, you know, how much can you spend? What can you spend it on? That's done by the Senate and Congress in conjunction. What bills are passed and which ones you have to enforce. Now, there's been paralysis in the U.S. for the last six years because the Republican Party has taken a view that you know we must be obstructionists and block everything that comes through that comes our way. Not criticizing them for it. I mean, you know, I sit in opposition benches and vote no a lot, so <laughs> I can I can almost relate. Yeah. But there is there is you know a point where obstructionism gets to extremes, which has happened now. I mean, they're not even confirming a Supreme Court nominee, which is unprecedented in in the history of American politics. So the, the battle for the Senate is going to determine a lot of things because you've got to get your cabinet through there. It's got to be approved by the Senate. Yeah, it's You're, currently a Republican Senate. It's currently a Republican Senate, yes. They wanted, Obama's had, was quite fortunate he had a Senate, a Democratic Senate for six years of his presidency. It's only the last two that he had a Republican Senate. Now, you know, the battle for control also rests in these swing states. And there are a couple of states, um, New Hampshire, where there's a Republican incumbent, probably going to be knocked off by the Democrat. Uh, Pennsylvania, there's also Republican incumbent knocked off by the Democrats. In Indiana, Mike Pence's home state, Donald Trump's running mate, hmm. the, Dem the Republicans can be knocked off by the Democrats. 
Um, so Pence is going to lose his spot. So you better hope Donald yeah, wins. Yeah, exactly. Pence, Pence is uh, Pence is shame. He's playing a losing game. I don't know what got into him. But nonetheless, that's, that's as an aside. Would he, would he have won if he hadn't... Uh... I, you know, in a strange way, Mike Pence had such a good debate as the VP guy. I thought, you know, I could actually vote for this guy when I was, when yeah. I was uh, watching that debate. I thought, yeah, this guy's okay. Um, you know, he's also not a friend of Vladimir Putin, which is... <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> it, does, it does help that he's, he's not really friendly with Russia. Um, but, but the point is that there are a couple of states that will determine control for the Senate. And as things stands, the Democrats will probably win control of the Senate again, um, and that will give Hillary Clinton a, a, some leeway within her first two years. I think they'll lose it in two years' time when there's the next wave of, of congressional elections, but she will win the Senate – or the Democrats will win the Senate, and she'll push through her cabinet and her nominees for the judicial system and so on. So, so assuming she wins, I mean, the big, the big fear of, of a Hillary victory is that, A, her, her record is, is not fantastic, but B, there's this thing about judicial appointments yeah. on the Supreme Court. So now uh, Justice Scalia passed away last mm. year or this year, and there might be one or two more during the course of her term. Why is the Supreme Court so important it's important to those those base voters, as I spoke about, the, the, the extreme lefties in California who want the socialist revolution or the extreme right-wingers in Oklahoma who want to stone anybody who is Isn't it therefore important to everyone then? Because the, yeah. the thing is, is if you stack it for the lefties or you stack it for the right, um, you end well, up with a big problem. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted to get to the mechanisms, so to speak. So if, if she's free to, to elect whoever she wishes to the Supreme Court, because it, it's a very – Traditionally, the court's always been very tight. It's always yeah. like a six-five yeah. decision, or whatever the case might be. Yes. So, why is it perhaps a problem for the Republicans or conservatives if she's able to elect two or three justices? Well, it's been six-five in the Republicans' favor since ninety-one. Right. Yeah, when William Rehnquist, I think, stepped down. Since ninety-one, it's been in the Republican favor. It's you know been a Republican-leaning court, a right-wing-leaning court. Not that I think court should ever be political, but unfortunately, it is in the U.S. And so. There's now currently a situation where it's 4-4. You've got four Democratic appointees, four Republican appointees, four hard-right guys, four fairly left-leaning guys. And whoever gets this appointment is going to determine the balance of power in the court. If it's somebody far left, if she appoints, I don't know, Barack Obama to the Supreme Court, I mean, I'm being facetious here, but... Oh, she could, but they they actually say he's going to the United Nations to uh, be the head of the UN. Uh, Secretary General. God help us all. Uh, but, (laughs) But nonetheless... You know, she could appoint to Barack Obama, and then every decision made, you know, it's going to be predictably done, right. not not necessarily based on, on what the law says, but what a very liberal interpretation of law might be. Mm. Um, you know, the flip side is if you get another Scalia type, you're going to get an extremely conservative type who might overturn, you know, the, the constitutional ruling Roe versus Wade that legalized abortion, for example. Mm. Yes. So what you ideally want is somebody who's soft and sent and and a centrist and will, you know, actually look at, at law and consider legal precedent and come to a decision. And a strange way Barack Obama to do that when he nominated Merrick Garland, because this guy, you know, you look at his record, so pro guns and some things, but he sticks to the law. Very right. uncontroversial. The Republicans even said Obama will never nominate this guy because he's too moderate. He's, yes. you know, and then, of course, Barack Obama went and nominated him. Um, so the fear is now, of course, that if Hillary is given the chance, she'll put in somebody to appease her base, which is, of course, far left. And can the court actually strike down constitutional amendments and things like that? So the Second Amendment, gun laws, no, no, things like that. No, it's written they can't. But what they can do, so 
They can if interpret it they in can, a way. Well, well, yeah. So they can they can say the Second Amendment protects your right to bear arms, but it doesn't say you can have an automatic rifle that shoots thirty bullets per minute. Or it doesn't mean you should have bullets at one dollar. It could be a thousand dollars per yeah. bullet. Or yeah, it doesn't. Like that. Yeah, that's something like that. I mean, so they can make it very difficult to have guns in effect. Yeah, I mean, while still. Um, still approving. They can they can protect the, they can protect the right in theory. Let's put it that way. Okay, right. Yes, that's, that's um, what Chicago does, right? I yeah. mean, the the greatest uh, what mass killing every weekend of black men and black lives matter is nowhere to be found. Um, but they also got this, one of the strictest strict, strictest gun laws in the U.S. in yeah. terms of background checks and and things like that and competency yeah. tests. Like, very much like yeah. gun laws don't don't really you know try they don't really help you with illegal guns, which is where the problem comes in. And, and until governments begin to solve that problem, shock horror. I'm trying yeah. to actually, I'm trying to understand. You would vote for Hillary. You pro gun. I'm not. I didn't like, say pro guns. Oh, right. <laughs> but, but, um, but you know the problem. Stop picking on the guests. He's, I, he's here to comment. I, I, I have this problem where everybody on the right seems to think I'm a crazy lefty, and everybody on the left seems to think I'm a crazy right winger. Please means you're please, in the middle. Please Perfect. don't, no, please I, don't I, label me as right. I, I, I'm not letting okay. you as anything. I'm just saying yeah, that people on the right. I know, I'm, I'm called crazy. all sorts of things from communist to fascist. Yeah. On a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually just, I'm, I'm a good, gentle liberal. Okay, so so Hillary's likely to win the Senate, or the Dems are, the Dems likely, are likely to, to win, the, win Senate. the Senate. Congress? Congress, interesting. So Congress has been gerrymandered quite badly. I, just explain gerrymandering okay, so, for those who aren't So away. in South Africa, we've got this first pass. We've got this proportional system where you go and vote, and the number of seats a party gets is directly proportional to the number of votes they got. So if the DA gets fifty percent of the seats, we get fifty percent. Sorry, fifty percent of the votes, we get fifty percent of the seats. That's just the way it is. In the US, every state draws up its little districts the, the, based on the census. They be told, okay, Pennsylvania, you've got twenty twenty seats drawn up, however you want. And what happens is you'll find that the uh, map drawers, depending on who's in charge of the state government, hmm. will draw this tiny little district that encompasses every minority community and will just stretch the highway and only the highway all the way up to the next minority community and then across the highway, these little bulbs. <laughs> and you have things that look like strange clouds and so on as districts. That's not rational. So they draw up these districts to suit the party to, to in power. To guarantee getting yeah, the seats. To basically. guarantee getting the seats. So, you know, if you look at, the 2012 presidential election, the Democrats got 1.6 million more votes than the Republicans on the congressional ballot. But, yes. you know, the, the Republicans won a resounding majority in Congress. It's just the way it is. Um, gerrymandering isn't fun, but it happens all over the place. In South Africa, we had a, a first-past-the-post system in the 40s, and the National Party ger- gerrymandered. And that's actually how they beat the United Party out of, right. out of office. I mean, it's, it happens. Yeah, just based on constituencies. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think... The Republican Party, because of gerrymandering, is likely to hold the most number of seats, even though they won't get the most number of votes, mm-hmm. unless Hillary has a complete blowout. Now, I'm thinking she's winning by 7%, which is, by American standards, a landslide, but it's not enough to take control of Congress. If she gets to 10% and she wins places like Arizona and maybe even Texas, so she gets within two points in Texas, and you know Utah goes to McMullen and all of these, these scenarios that point to a complete Donald Trump blowout – and she has a council victory in, in what are otherwise swing states like Florida and North Carolina, then they're going to win control of the Congress. It really depends on the margin. If she gets over 10% of the popular vote in the, her margin of victory, then um, – And, and assu- assuming partisan voting, yeah. if you have a Congress, a Senate, and a president who's Democrat, then you, end up with, you do whatever you like. Yeah, you end up with Obamacare. Yeah, which is yeah. A, which is a disaster. It's, it hasn't worked out. Like I, I was, shock, I'm all in favor of socialism horror. fails again. Shock it's horror. not done properly. It's obviously. more expensive, and you don't keep your doctor. <laughs> you would have thought. Yeah, um, like I, w- I was all in favor of the healthcare law, but unintended consequences of the law is a very serious thing. You've got to 
make sure what, when you design what you want to achieve and is this going to achieve? And clearly there was a disjuncture. There are too many special interests like I want that and I want that and it oh, just became a mess. Well, didn't he just collude with the medical aid? Yeah, well, which is why they're now hiking their prices. Yes. Yeah. To, yeah. Instead of just deregulating the markets, he just created more regulations to increase their market share. Well, well healthcare is a bit more failed. complicated than that, but that's a debate for let's, Yeah, let's, let's not get into it. We've only got a few minutes left. I want to just quickly ask you, you do polling, you do elections. Um, we've had... I know a lot of the sort of guys on the on the right, uh, Donald included, uh, you know, Grabby Donald says that everything's rigged. Uh, it's all rigged against him um, and the polls are rigged. I, I don't think the polls are necessarily rigged, but obviously, and we've discussed it on the show, is it's the way you do the polling. So if you choose to poll uh, more Democrats, for example, you'll get a more Democrat-leaning poll. Yeah. CNN did it after, I think, the second debate. Yeah. Um, they polled an audience – where it was like 80% Democrat and then showed that Trump uh, well, lost the debate by yeah. like 26% yeah. to like 74 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's a possibility that the polling could be off in the sense that a lot of people either aren't reporting correctly, so they, they're lying about that they're going to vote for Trump, or where they're not co- getting hold of these these voters because telephone polling, as an example, isn't as reliable as it used to be. We've seen some examples of this. Brexit was one example. Mm-hmm. The South African polls were another example. So we knew the ANC was going to lose ground in these last uh, elections, but they seem to have lost more than was expected um, to everyone, not only to the EFF, but to the DA as mm-hmm. well. Um, is there a possibility that the polls are wrong and we end up having President Trump? Well, polls are never an exact science. But there's been a remarkable consistency with American polling since the 70s in predicting the outcome. Yeah. Um, and even with the problems you mentioned, unlike the UK, where polls generally get it wrong in the UK, let's not forget the polls did not see a conservative majority government in the UK either. The polls, yeah. the polls did, at one stage said there was a possibility of Nick Clegg becoming prime minister in yeah. 2010. UK polling is notoriously bad. So I think Brexit is probably not a good analogy to this. There are – you know, when you look at polls, it's never look at an individual one. So the CNN one you mentioned, mm. complete bias. But if you look at an aggregate of polls, there's always an outlier that's too Democratic or too Republican. Yeah. The aggregate of polling usually is a good way to look at it because it's an easy way to unbias your samples. There's one poll in the U.S., for example, that's consistently had Trump in the lead until about a week ago. It's the University of Southern California, L.A. Times poll. And that's because of the way they constructed their sample. And they have two young black uh, Illinois guys who are – 19 or 20 or something who are voting Trump. And that skews the entire sample that says half of black Americans under the age of 35 are going to vote for Donald <laughs> Trump. You know, I mean, this is, Which these, is obviously, not, obviously true. not not true, but this has skewed their entire poll and produced a massive Trump leaning poll. Um, Hillary's now moving to the lead in that poll. So uh, that, that goes to show what's going on. But a lot of what I've seen in mm. these polls, and, and I look at the source data as well. Is it's very hard to find the shy Trump effect, I think, which is what you're, you're trying yeah, to get at. Right. It'll, you know, the people who are – if anything, there does seem to be a mild shy Hillary effect, amongst, especially amongst white men. Uh, so we might see her winning by a fairly big, bigger margin than, than the polls say right now, which is why I say 7% when the polls say around 6 Yeah. Um, I don't think that these polls are actually going to be way off the mark. I think that Trump has a very low probability of winning, and his only path to victory is, as I said, if he can – He'll probably get Ohio and Iowa. Yeah, I'm convinced. Um, the polls say he's got, uh, Clinton's going to win those. I disagree. Um, but if he can peel off Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, then he wins. And and maybe there's a problem. But yeah, no chance of Trump. I think other than so, that. So basically, unless Hillary dies, 
today. She's gonna well, win. then we then we get uh, Tim Kane, yeah, President sorry. Kane, which getting... is even I don't know if that's better or worse. It's just but... boring. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's it. So um, if you're listening to this live, if you're listening to this on the eighth of November, which will be its release date, um, the prediction as you heard it. Uh, Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary Yay. will be the President of the United States for four years, after which, if she hasn't been impeached or, or finally charged by the FBI for keeping an email server in or, her bathroom. Or dying. Um, yes, or, or if she isn't dead, um, she will be the American President for four more years. But more of a, what Obama did, really. With a vagina, of course, because that's what's important. Absolutely. Right, um, Ashor, well, thank you for coming. Yes, awesome. thanks, Ashor. I mean, uh, I don't know how you remember these things. Jesus, I don't, I don't even know what you spoke about half the time. <laughs> Something about colleges. Right, so we'll, we'll have you back for, for more election on the South African end of things. Awesome. I yeah. Uh, you guys can find Ashor on Twitter at Ashor Sarupen, S-A-R-U-P-E-N. Uh, anywhere else you want to be found? Anything else you write uh, or do? Nah, just Twitter. If you want to look at provocative things I tweet about. Awesome, awesome. Go, go follow yeah, him. They used to it. They follow me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ramon, thank you. Anything else? Uh, no, in democracy now, vote Trump, please. Uh, all <laughs> right, we're cutting him off. The Anarchist is done for the day. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter um, at Renegade underscore report and Renegade Res- Report on Facebook. Give us a like. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a review and also tell us what you think. Uh, Just what? a note, we are the most reviewed show in South Africa. We've got 31 reviews. We're going to run out of music. Get off the mic. Right. And we're done for the day. Thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. And I don't know. God bless America. Central.com